Hey, I'm Patience Axman. I'm a stay-at-home mom, photographer, and filmmaker in Wichita, Kansas. I love listening to Compelled because it reminds me of God's faithfulness day in and day out. I am constantly being inspired by how God works in the lives of ordinary people through incredible circumstances. There's truly no other podcast like it. I get excited about Tuesdays now because I get to listen to a brand new story of God's incredible goodness. Enjoy today's episode. He looked to me like a wounded bear because he was over six feet tall. He raised his voice and he said, sit down. He pulled the gun and said, I'm not your client. I'm here to kill you. I'm Paul Hastings, and you're listening to season three of Compelled, a podcast with unique stories from the kingdom of God told by the people compelled to live for him. It's been a long break between seasons, but we are so excited to finally be back. We have yet another set of incredible stories of how God has shaped and changed people's lives for his glory. Stories dealing with addiction, abuse, transgenderism, suffering, healing, the new age, and so much more. But all of these stories are tied together with the thread that God is at work in our world and is moving greatly. And we are thrilled to share these stories with you. This is our first episode in a long time, and we've got some exciting announcements that we want to tell you about at the end of today's show. So make sure to stay tuned after the story. This week, our guest is Virginia Prodan, an attorney from Romania who was persecuted by her government during the 1980s after she began defending Christians in court from the communist regime. After she brought international attention to the plight of Christians in her country, the Romanian president authorized an assassin to kill her at her office one evening. She was alone and unprotected, and you would never imagine what happened next. You'll hear that story right after a word from today's sponsor. Throughout our history, American pastors and churches have played a vital role in the establishment and preservation of religious and civil liberty. Being salt and light requires knowledge of our culture as we fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples of all nations. Being a biblical citizen requires knowledge of biblical principles and how to apply them to the world around us. You and your church can be a catalyst for restoring biblical values in your neighborhood, state, and the nation. My friends at BiblicalCitizens.com sat down with pastors and other Christian leaders around the nation who are engaged in today's cultural battles. They've specifically designed a tool for churches and individuals that's easy to use, captivating, and impactful. You'll learn how the founders relied on their Christian moorings and biblical worldview to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And you'll be treated to thought-provoking historical facts and inspirational true stories that are not taught in our educational institutions today. But ultimately, you'll be edified and equipped to embrace your faith and practice biblical citizenship in modern America. Ready to get started? Go to biblicalcitizens.com to sign up and get free access for you and your church. Again, that's biblicalcitizens.com. I sat down with Virginia at her church home in Dallas, Texas. And even though Virginia is a petite woman, looks can be deceiving. As many others have learned, Virginia is not to be underestimated. Not because of her forceful personality or her sharp and inquisitive mind, but as Virginia will be the first to point out, because of the great God that she serves and the mission he has given her to carry out. 
I asked Virginia to begin her story by describing what growing up in communist Romania during the 1960s was like. I will call them a land of lies and a prison land, that your life is controlled by the government who established the notion of the truth. Even if that is a lie, you are required to repeat that. Otherwise, you are killed or you disappear or your entire family will be punished. Uh, it's, a prison, it's a prison land because um, uh, everything is controlled by the government. Where you live, what kind of job you will have, there is no freedom at all. And I remember, even as maybe a first grade student, going to church was a type of custom. It was nothing about Christ and everything. It was just a custom. So as normal, I went with my girlfriends. We were um, confronted in front of the church by uh, at least two uh, securitate government policemen that they have a notepad and they ask us about our names. So because they put our names on the blacklist, wow. we will call church people. So um, I remember saying my name and going inside and kneeling in front of the church, and I started to pray. A few seconds after that, I noticed that nobody was there. My girlfriend left. I believe they were just um, afraid of what the, what the government will do to them or to the family. Wow. But I remember sitting there and just turning my head and watching nobody was, but the Securitate guys were still there, thinking, I'm just going to stay a little bit longer just to prove to them that I'm not afraid. As a first grader, Virginia was already showing her independent streak. But independence in communist Romania of any kind was dangerous and could lead to terrible outcomes. The Romania that Virginia grew up in was controlled by Nicolae Ceausescu, a dictator who ruled the nation with an iron grip. His government routinely persecuted Christians, Jews, Germans, and Hungarians. Political dissenters were spied upon, tortured, and executed, and the entire nation lived in fear. It's estimated that a third of all Romanians became informants on their neighbors. No one knew who they could trust, so few ever did. My parents were very obedient outside, listening and doing everything that the government asked them to do. And in the same time, inside of our home, I heard them whispering how horrible the government was and how the government will take day by day, no matter how obedient they were, more of their rights. So. As I watched my parents, I was petrified. I was thinking, nobody's going to help me. No, my parents, not even the government. But I thought, I am not going to grow up and be fearful like them and live a double life. So I started to look and see why people are afraid, why they know the truth, but they don't speak the truth. Yeah. And as we had annually a family reunion, I noticed that when we got together, my relatives were grouped around three people. So I did my research, and I found out that those three people were lawyers. Yeah. And to me as a real kid, I thought, oh, they know the truth. They don't speak up for the truth, but they know the truth. So I'm going to go to law school. 
What were some of the requirements to become an attorney in Romania? Well, first of all, in socialism and communism, you don't go and you do not choose your profession. The government decides that for you. But at that time, as an 18 or 17 years old, preparing for the law school, I didn't know that. But later on, I found out that before we were allowed in socialism to apply to law school to take the exam, the government had to approve your political file. And your political file was a file that the government opened from the day that you were born to the day that you died. And they will put in, in your political file all kind of things that they believe were important for them. You never had the opportunity to look and see if something is wrong and you can correct it. The three questions that they look were the following. They looked to see if my parents ever organized outside a revolution okay. to change the government. If my parents were ever reported by their own kids for what they said inside the home against the, so, the government. And the third one, if the, my parents were Christians. They wanted to make sure that you will be loyal to the government, that you become part of the elite of the society of Romania, and you will protect the government against the people that they call dissidents. So I passed the test and I was allowed to go because they believed that I will grow up, I will go to law school, and I will be a loyal socialist. After I graduated from law school and I uh, graduated in the top 10% of my class, believing that I've read everything about the truth in the law books, I'm gonna go and practice and actually find the truth. So every single day I will go with this enthusiasm in the morning. Shortly after graduating from law school, Virginia married a fellow attorney, and both of them began very successful careers as lawyers. However, Virginia's initial enthusiasm to find and protect the truth gradually wore off as she watched client after client be crushed by the totalitarian regime that they lived under. False accusations would be made against someone who would then hire Virginia to defend them in court. But then the National Secret Police, called the Securitate, would intimidate her client with violence, torture, sometimes take away their children, or even worse. And to end the horror, the client would then plead guilty to the original false accusations, rendering Virginia's defense work meaningless. Justice was a mockery, and Virginia was no closer to finding and defending the truth than she was before she became an attorney. After a while, I remember coming to uh, my office to my, and uh, being very disappointed. I put my uh, um, briefcase on my assistant desk and I said, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I, um, I can't find the truth. And I don't want to be a lawyer. She looked up at me like, oh, welcome to reality. Where have you been? Yeah. And gave me some files and said there is a... Uh, a client in your in your office and there will be two more to come. So I I walk inside of my office very disappointed, nobody listen, where is the truth and so forth. And as my client that I have been working with him for a year, I thought he was crazy in fact, 
many times working with him during this year, I was thinking, I need to fix this man. He, he had a different way of looking at life, a joy, and hope in a hopeless land and so forth. I found myself saying to him, I wish I have in your life what you have. So he looked up at me and he said, do you go to church? And I remember staring at him and thinking, I'm so sorry I asked. So he wrote on a piece of paper and gave it to me something. And he said, if you want to come to our church, um, this is our, our address at the church, and I'll be there Sunday. So next Sunday, I went to church, and there I heard the pastor saying, opening the Bible and saying, Jesus Christ said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And with that, Virginia's world was shattered. All of the years she had spent searching for the truth yet only growing disillusioned. Yet here was someone, Jesus, not only claiming to know the truth, but to actually be the truth. Virginia was stunned. Christ came real to me, absolutely. And I understood everything that he said. It was very easy for me to to understand that Christ is the truth, that He has uh, an appointment for my life. I was looking at the wrong places. I look in the law book thinking that I will find the truth there, but the truth is Jesus Christ. When the pastor offered an invitation to follow Christ at the end of his message, Virginia gladly accepted. And after the service, she spoke with the pastor for over an hour. Virginia agreed to join an in-depth six-month Bible study program, and the pastor handed her a Bible of her own to read in secret. While the communist regime begrudgingly allowed churches to remain open and to have Bibles in their buildings, that was only to feed the narrative to Western countries that Romania had religious freedom. Owning a Bible at home was a totally different matter and was strictly forbidden. But as Virginia found out, that was only the tip of the iceberg. As a teenager, I had so many friends whose lives were transformed by attending a Worldview Academy leadership camp. For many of them, it was the highlight of their summer because it was such a spiritually engaging experience. And today, Worldview Academy's mission continues. If you have a student between 13 to 18 and you care about equipping them with biblical truth so that they're prepared to stand firm and engage with the culture, then Worldview Academy is what you're looking for. Worldview Academy's week-long summer intensives cover topics in apologetics, servant leadership, and evangelism, all while building deep friendships with like-minded students. Your student will engage with 25 hours of interactive teaching, addressing questions like, how do I know that the Bible is true? Does God really exist? Who defines what is right or wrong? And what difference does that make in my life? Since 1996, over 42,000 students have called this one of the best weeks of their life. And with 18 summer intensives all across the country, there's certain to be one near you. Learn more and get 10% off your student's camp registration as a compelled listener by using the promo code COMPELLED at worldview.org. Register for camp today at worldview.org while spots are still available. And remember to get 10% off using the promo code COMPELLED. Summer is here, and so is the chance to take a breather from school. 
and there's a decent chance that the subject your student is most excited to take a break from is math. But it doesn't have to be that way, especially if you're using CTC Math. Their focus is helping your student learn at the pace that's best for them. Every lesson is fully online with interactive questions and clear explanations. And their video tutorials take difficult concepts and break them down into digestible ideas. But here's the crazy part. They have a 12-month money-back guarantee. That's right, you can use CTC Math for an entire year. And if you don't like it, or it didn't work out for you, or if you're just unethical, which as a compelled listener, I hope you're not, then you just shoot them an email and tell them that you'd like your money back and they'll gladly refund your entire purchase, no questions asked. There is literally no risk for an entire year. You can't beat that because their heart is to serve your family. That's why they sponsor Compelled so that we can continue creating stories that will bless and encourage your family. And they wanna do the same for your students' math needs. So whether summer is a time for your student to catch up, keep up or move ahead, CTC Math is there. Learn more at ctcmath.com. Again, that's ctcmath.com. Before I uh, accepted Christ, I had no idea about the persecution. We didn't have the Bible 24 hours a day. We had it for a short period of time, only in order for us to memorize the gospel or everything that we needed and share it with others. Yeah, we had spies government spies even in our church wow yeah wow. so you never knew if you sitting by a brother in christ or a spy very shortly after that lots of uh, christian came to me to help them and to defend them against the government wow that's when i understood that god allowed me to go to law school for a very good reason and that was the, a divine appointment on my life when I receive those cases, as a lawyer, the first thing that you do, you look and see if those uh, clients have any legal recourse, if there is a law that defends them and so forth. So I finally found some of the law that were just set aside in the library and everywhere by the government not to be found by lawyers and not to be used by lawyers. So I do remember that I had a sense when I found them that the Lord wanted me to make copies. So when I defended, I started to defend the, those cases I started to talk about those laws. And I remember looking at uh, the judges' faces, and they were like, you are crazy, what are you talking about? And I um, have my copies, and I gave it to them. Oh, they were so furious. The socialist uh, go communist government does not respect the law or constitution. They create a different law, different constitution, different desire according to uh, the dictator or their leaders, and they do whatever they want. Uh, I defended Christians who will move Bible from one church to another for Bible uh, vacation Bible schools or different other events. I defended Christians who wanted to see the movie uh, Jesus movie in their own home only with their family and the parents will be arrested and the children will be put in orphanage n never to be found again. Or churches that will ask the government to uh, receive permission to fix the church 
or to improve the church or to extend the church, and the government will put them on the waiting list and year after year after year. And by the time every the church will be in disrepair, the government will come and take the, uh, demolish the church and take the land. I defended Christians that will uh, share the Bible with others, doctors who will give the Bible to their clients, and they will uh, be sued by the government to take the li- their license away. As Virginia began defending Christians in court, oftentimes successfully, stories about this petite yet fiery attorney began circulating around Romania. And while she was glad that more and more Christians were coming to her for legal protection, she also attracted the wrath of the Securitate. On more than one occasion, she was unceremoniously whisked away by the secret police who tried to intimidate or beat her into submission. I remember being in an interrogation room and being full of blood. And like in a movie where you have good guys and bad guys, the bad guys will hit you, will will uh, um, bump your head on the table or the wall or all kind of things. Uh, the good guy will say, oh, he didn't mean to do that and so forth. They told me that I shouldn't defend those dissidents because I am the elite and that's my role. I told them that nobody told me in law school. And the reason I became a lawyer is to defend those dissidents, people that cannot protect themselves. I remember the Lord saying to me, share the gospel with them. Tell them that I love them. And I remember telling them, I don't like what you're doing, but God loves you and I choose to love you. And those guys who were huge with guns all over, with a desire to have a better rank in Securitate and so forth, they had to turn their heads because they were crying. Christ's love touches every single life. Uh, Only in heaven I will know by my action who in fact accepted Christ by just watching me. As Virginia now became the object of persecution herself, she found many allies. Not only were many Romanians praying for her safety every day, but many were willing to risk their own well-being for hers. The Christian that I defended later on, they became people that had helped me. Like some of the young people, uh, when the government pushed me in an intersection one day in order to create the impression of an accident, they became my bodyguard. So they were like my bodyguard between me and the the secret police. So you can imagine that they put their uh, life at risk. So I consider that. There are several other stories about, you know, kids who helped me, became like a babysitter for my kids and did different things. Every single case that I have became my example of courage and perseverance in Christ. We are related when the Bible says that we are uh, brothers and and sisters in Christ. That, That is true. Tensions mounted. Virginia's defense of Christians had now reached the attention of the national government. But as much as the communist leaders wanted to imprison her or kill her, there was something holding them back. Western nations. 
Romania desperately needed to maintain their most favored nation status with the United States for economic reasons. And as a condition of that status, Romania had agreed to respect religious liberties and human rights. But while the government actually continued to abuse their citizens just as before, at least now they needed to keep up public appearances. And now, somehow, in a communist nation that was cut off from international news reporters, Virginia discovered that her defense of Christians and victims of human rights abuses had been noticed by the international community. Later on in night, um, I, after I put my kids to sleep and everything, I uh, was listening to Voice of America and Free Europe. We were not allowed because the dictator and the government did not like. It wasn't a law that forbidden us, you know, to listen to Voice of America or Free Europe. But we were not allowed, and if you were caught uh, listening, you will be put to jail. So it was very risky, but even with that, I, I, I listened to Voice of America. It was the only way to find out what the world is doing. So as I heard from Voice of America the news, I realized that I was the news. Voice of America and Free Europe started to talk about my cases, what I did that time in uh, in court, what I said and everything. And I was thinking, this is wonderful. This is wonderful that the whole world knows. But in the same time, I was petrified because I knew that the secret police were outside of my home and they were allowed to come anytime. And they could say that I was a spy and kill me immediately. And I ask myself, how is that possible? Voice of America can, or Free Europe cannot come to Romania. But later on, I found out that while I was defending and facing the judges and prosecution, behind me there were representatives from uh, embassy all over the world. America and other, you know, free countries. And they were taking notes and sending to their country and saying, look, there is a young woman under five feet tall, 82 pounds, 23, 24 years old, and taking the government to court and showing them that they have to respect the law. So that was God's way to protect me mm. because others just disappear. I should be dead, but by the grace of God, I'm not because God has plan with my life. The more the more I defended churches, the more uh, the Western civilization got involved with me. The embassy, Secretary of State, Congressman Frank Wolf and Christopher Smith from United States. And one day I received uh, an assignment. That's what I believe it was from the Lord. And I remember saying, Lord, they can kill me. They can kill me with this assignment. But I created a um, false um, a pocket in my uh, suit, and I put the documents there, knowing that I am going to court, that someone from the American embassy will be there, and risking to give them those information. Um, but I also was aware that I was risking the fact that uh, every morning, um, the minute that I left my home, the secret police in front of my home will take me to the headquarters and will interrogate me, will search me, and will do all kind of things. So I remember saying, Lord, I'm going to do it knowing that they're going to search me. But you know what? 
that they, they did not search me. They forgot to search me. So I was able to give the documents later on to the American embassy. President Ronald Reagan got the documents and decided to take the most favored national status from Romania. Now remember, it was very important for Romania to keep their most favored nation status with the United States. Losing it was a crushing blow to Romania's international trade relations and the massive economic repercussions in a country already destabilized from years of communism. Romania's dictator, Nicolae Ceausescu, would make sure that someone would pay. If you like to stay up to date with current events, then you'll especially appreciate another podcast I enjoy called The World and Everything in It. It's a daily news program, about 30 minutes long, delivered every weekday morning by Christian journalists from around the world. And they aren't just rehashing the current headlines. They're actually doing investigative, boots-on-the-ground journalism while providing biblical, cultural analysis. I started listening to their show about five years ago when we first launched Compelled. And since then, they've become one of my go-to sources for understanding current events from a biblical perspective. But they pull no punches. In fact, they tell the facts just as they are, even when it requires sharing uncomfortable truths. Maybe that's why they're one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs. Join me and thousands of other Christians from around the world who listen to the world and everything in it. Just search for The World and Everything in It in your podcast app or visit WNG.org. You love Christian testimonies. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Compelled. But imagine if you could enjoy Compelled stories from Christians throughout the ages, including those who've already passed away. Well, that's what our friends at YWAM Publishing are doing through their Christian Heroes book series by retelling the incredible stories of Christians like George Mueller, a man of prayer who ran an orphanage for 10,000 children in England who trusted God to miraculously provide food and shelter for those orphans, sometimes on a daily basis. Or Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered by the Aka tribe in Ecuador, but chose to forgive and move in with the tribe to share the gospel with them. Or Brother Andrew, who during the height of the Cold War smuggled Bibles to Christians behind the Iron Curtain, all under the noses of communist border guards who could have imprisoned him for life or worse. These are the types of stories that YWAM Publishing is printing, and their books are written for kids ages 10 and above, but frankly, adults love them too. They've published 50 of these biographies so far, and we just partnered with YWAM Publishing to bring you five of my favorite stories. These are the Christians that have inspired my faith and millions of others for decades, which include the three testimonies I just mentioned, as well as Corey Ten Boom and Amy Carmichael. We're calling it the Compelled Christian Heroes Bundle, and I actually worked with YWAM to select these five specific stories, and they agreed to drop the price in half just for Compelled listeners. So it's $30 and includes free U.S. shipping. To buy this bundle for yourself or to give to a friend, visit compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. That's the letters Y-W-A-M, compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. And trust me, if you love listening to stories on Compelled, you're going to love reading these stories too. The dictator was not very happy 
he thought that I was the one. He was 99.9% sure about this. So what he decided was the next day to send a client to my office. My office and my home were covered by microphones, secret microphone posted everywhere. So the government knew everything about my whereabouts. They organized absolutely everything, and he came late in the afternoon exactly where my assistant was ready to leave the office to take her kids. I remember inviting him into my office, and he looked to me like a wounded bear because he was six feet tall, over six feet tall. I was thinking, I hope I can help him. So the minute he got inside of my office and he heard my assistant closing the door to the office, he raised his voice and he said, sit down. So I I stood there, I was tired thinking, I'm not gonna fight with him, he's my client, ordering me. So I stood there and the minute I stood there, he pulled the gun and said, I'm not your client, I'm here to kill you. He gave me all the details, what the dictator said, who sent him, all everything, how he's gonna do it. I heard so many, many times, my friends, my relatives, my enemies saying, we're gonna find you dead. And I thought, today is the day. And I, my knees were shaking. My, I heard my heart in my ears. It was so much noise inside and outside of my, my body as he was screaming. But I also heard the whisper of God, shared the gospel with him. I said, you can do whatever you want, your job, and I understand your job, but I want to share something with you. Would you like to listen? And he said yes, and he put the gun on, on, uh, on the table, and he listened very, very, very suspiciously to, to me, but he listened, watched me the entire time, and the more I recited the Bible verses, the gospel to him, the more I noticed that the Word of God was melting in this man. And as I never experienced before, I was looking at him and thinking, when I finish, he's gonna kill me. And that stopped the thoughts of my, and I forgot my Bible verses. So I started to, I started to uh, paraphrase. And after two or three sentences, I got, petrified because he came back to the six, ten foot tall saying, this is my mission and everything. And I pray like never in my life. The Lord brought the gospel back to me and he accepted Christ right there in front of me. And he left the office, my office, as a free man indeed and as a brother in Christ. Let that soak in for a second. A man came to kill Virginia, and she was scared, understandably so. But what did she do? What would you do? Instead of begging for mercy or trying to fight back, she used the most powerful weapon at her disposal. She shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that day, that very moment, her assassin found the way, the truth, and the life. It was evident that God was on Virginia's side, but he wasn't done intervening yet. 
right after President Ronald Reagan found out about the assassin, he called uh, the dictator and said, I am making a deal with you. I will give you six months, the most favored national status with one condition. You let Virginia and her family to leave Romania today. The dictator said, it's a deal in a month. What he organized is he put together every single client that I had in 12 years of practicing law and took them to the interrogation room where I was interrogated every single day, trying to make one of my clients say that I did something wrong in order for him to say I have a reason to keep Virginia in Romania and to say to President Reagan, I cannot uh, let her go. And I found out from my client when I was allowed to fly uh, out of Romania and they came to the airport to say goodbye to me. And I asked them, why are you doing this? It's risky. And they said, because you told us what courage is all about. You stood for us, and we want to stay now. We stood in the interrogation room by not signing, and we want to prove to the government that we are courageous too. They cannot bend us either. And with that, Virginia, her husband, and their children said goodbye to Romania in the winter of 1988 and immigrated to the United States as guests of President Ronald Reagan. One year later, the people of Romania revolted against Nicolae Ceausescu, seized control of the government, and executed him on Christmas Day, 1989. Virginia and her family were safe, although everything wasn't smooth sailing. Shortly after arriving in the United States, Virginia's husband left them and Virginia raised her three children as a single mother in Dallas, Texas. After she and the kids learned English from scratch, Virginia began studying American law and eventually became an attorney again. Today, she has her own practice and specializes in international human rights cases. Several years after Virginia fled from Romania, she had the opportunity to go back and visit. Upon her arrival, she was contacted by several of her old colleagues, still serving as attorneys or judges, and she agreed to meet with them, not realizing that she was in for a surprise. As I walk in the courtroom at the Rotunda, they were all smiling, and I was thinking, oh, they're going to show me that they got married, they have cars, they have houses, because there is no socialist anymore. It's a capitalist. It's a democratic country. And they will show me their kids. And I was wrong. They took me in their offices, and each one of them show me their Bible on the, the, their desk. Wow. And they said, Virginia, when you were in front of me, the judge said, many times I wanted to kill you because I had no, no way but to give you success in your, in your case because behind you were representative from all over the world. But in the same time, I was afraid that the government will put me in jail. But I have to tell you, when the revolution started, we went to your church. We knew where you went to church. We heard the gospel, and we accepted Christ. And we are lawyers and judges and prosecutors for Christ. Wow. So your actions are very important, even if later on you are far away. They also told me something that 
I I never knew. They were saying, looking at each other and say, shall we tell, shall we tell? I said, come on, what are, are you talking about? said, Virginia, we're going to tell you something. But for years we talk about, and each one of us, we had the same feeling. It's not the one had and the other. When you were in the courtroom and you were defending Christians and you had policemen with guns, on each side of you with guns bigger than yourself, we noticed one thing, that your face was shining. You have a peace and a joy. We ask many times ourselves, are we going to see Virginia tomorrow? Is she going to be dead by the time she goes home or something like this? And it was that bright shining that stood in our, our mind and our heart that determined us to go and visit your church when a uh, revolution came. So you never know. I, I did not know that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding was so visible to them, even in those horrible conditions. Yeah. So you never know. And um, it, it's so powerful and it's so absolutely amazing what what God can, can do to you. And I remember after visiting with them, I went and visited a few churches and everything. And everything was like, almost like in America, new churches develop with Bible study, children's Bibles and everything. And I was so overwhelmed. I was crying and praising the Lord. And as I was walking towards the hotel, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going back home. I have to buy some gifts from Romania, Romanian gifts from my kids. And all of a sudden, I just crossed the street to the, the bookstore. And I am coming inside a bookstore, but I want to, to you to imagine that I'm coming and going into the bookstore with the mind of, Romania, of Virginia living in Romania, not even knowing that I'm doing this. So I'm opening the door to the bookstore and I make two steps. And what I see is half of the bookstore is full with Bible and and a Bible, you know, studies and everything. And I wasn't able to make another step. I just knelt down there and I cried like a baby. I did not care what other people would say. And I said, Lord, why do you show me this? It's overwhelming. And I heard him clearly said, I change a country through you, Virginia. And I want you, wherever you go, to encourage people to know that I can change a country, a neighborhood, a family, a society to one person. I change it to you. Your, your job is to go and tell others how powerful I am, how, what I can do to one obedient person. And I want people to understand I'm not a hero. I'm a tool in God's hands, and God can do the same thing. And America needs us today. America needs us to be obedient to the Lord and be the Christians, the light and the salt in the society. And the Lord will provide everything for us. As we wrapped up our conversation, Virginia had a few last thoughts she wanted to share. God's plan, it's 
so amazingly, richly, beyond our imagination. Yeah. Whatever you think is your wildest dream, it's nothing compared with what God prepared for your life, the dream for your life. And I encourage you because I'm so amazed. I have people from South Africa, Zimbabwe, Europe, uh, Australia, all over the world saying, you changed my life. I accepted Christ. I am in fire for Christ. I have people that are in jail in Huntsville. And they said, your book is going around. And so many prisoners accepted Christ and everything. Our lives is not for us. If you give it to the Lord, we'll teach, we'll reach and touch so many people. And it's the best time that we can have. Don't look at the circumstances. Look at God. It's darker and darker outside in America, but your light will be even shinier because of God. And God is the one who gives us victory. Remember, we read the last page of the Bible. We are more than conqueror in Christ. We are victorious with him. And there is no wisdom, no inside, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. And I'm a living proof of that. Dictator had an army at his fingertip. He was rich. He lied to uh, the entire world. And he believed that he had me at his hands. He was wrong. I was in God's hands. He is dead and I'm alive by the grace of God to tell and encourage everyone, put your life in God's hands. Don't look at the circumstances. America is darker and darker and people are even making fun of, of being Christian. Trust God. He will do amazing things through your life. He can change America through you. Virginia, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Virginia's story is incredible. In the world's eyes, she faced insurmountable odds, but in God's eyes, she was simply a willing vessel for him to work out his plans. When the communist regime was determined to silence Virginia, either through intimidation, beatings, or even assassination, she was unwilling to relent. God had given her purpose and she knew he would see her through it. I pray that each of us would walk with that same unwavering faith when God places a calling on our lives. Now, believe it or not, what you've heard only scratches the surface of Virginia's story. There is so much more to Virginia's background, including her childhood, being a social outcast in her own family, miracles that God worked in the courtroom, and when she met the same would-be assassin face-to-face years later. Now, trust me, you don't want to miss that. You can read all those stories and more in her book, Saving My Assassin. I've read it, and it is a page-turner. You can buy a copy of her book at her website, virginiaprodan.com. You can also win an autographed copy of her book at her website, compelledpodcast.com. There, we'll include links to Virginia's book, website, and more in our show notes. Now, I told you earlier that we have two very exciting announcements to make, and here they are. The first one is that if you enjoyed listening to our story today and can't wait a whole week to listen to next week's episode, you can actually skip ahead by joining Compelled as a monthly member. And for the rest of the season, you'll get access to each week's episode one week early. And that's in addition to a whole bunch of other great perks like our behind the scenes recordings, monthly Zoom calls with our guests and production team, and more. But most importantly, your financial support as a monthly member allows us to continue telling these powerful stories of God's work. 
To learn more, click the button at the top of our website that says become a member. Again, that's at compelledpodcast.com. And here's the second announcement. We heard from patients at the beginning of this show how she's been impacted by the testimonies that we share. And we hear from people like her every week. And we want to continue reaching others with these encouraging stories. The number one way that Compelled grows is by word of mouth. So if you want to help us continue impacting people's lives, then please share this episode with others that you would think would be blessed by Virginia's story. We've created an easy-to-use platform on our website that makes it really simple to share episodes with your friends. And to show our gratitude for helping us spread these stories, we have some special gifts we'd like to send your way. When you refer three friends to the show, you'll get a collectible sticker, 10 friends, you get a coffee mug, and you get the idea. All the way up to a complete New Testament scripture journal set from Crossway Publishing. My wife and I have used these and we love them. Get started by clicking the share button at the top of our website or by visiting compelledpodcast.com slash share. This episode was produced by me and my wife, Sarah Hastings. Our editor is Zach Fowler. Our production intern is Ethan Adams. And our music outro is by Ben Jackson and Brian Facchino. Stay tuned for a sneak peek from next week's episode with Jason and David Benham, identical twins and former professional baseball players who are faced with either being removed as hosts of a national reality TV show or renouncing their beliefs in God's definition of marriage. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and we'll be back with another compelling story next Tuesday. We learned that the secret to courage is first recognizing your inner coward and then allowing the Holy Spirit to unleash your inner lion. Like God had to get us to a point where we recognize that we are just cowards, and apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. One last thing before I go. If you'd like to meet up this year in 2024, I will actually be on the road for a few events, either speaking or exhibiting at some conferences. I am still nailing down all the details, but already I know that I'll be at the Texas Homeschool Convention in Fort Worth from April 18th through 20th, the other Texas Homeschool Convention in Houston from May 30th through June 1st, the Home Educators Association of Virginia Convention in Richmond from June 6th through 8th, And there's also the chance that I might be at some other events in Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee later in the year, but we haven't finalized those details yet. If you live near any of those locations, then I'd love to meet you. You can also see our latest up-to-date calendar of events at our website, compelledpodcast.com slash events. And I hope to see you there.